This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Whakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. G'day, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. My big swim's tomorrow. Woohoo! You'll smash it. (laughs) I've seen you swim. You're amazing. But this is particularly rough water. You're not going at Pilot's Bay. Tell me you're not going at Pilot's Bay. No, 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 it's off. He's not going to Pilot's Bay. It's off St. Clair in Dunedin around White Island. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. But not wow. our White Island. And who are no. we introducing today? <laughs> today we have the very lovely Anne Collins, who wears so many blooming hats it was hard to figure out how to introduce her. So Anne is the current East Coast um, LEC for Labour Party celebrating um, the election to Parliament of our very lovely Kiritapu Allen, who's been on our show in the past, and herself was a former MP. She's a grandmother. She's a mother to spectacular humans who give much to the community, as Anne does, I think. Um, former school teacher and all-round doer of incredibly good deeds. Welcome, Anne. <laughs> Thank you, Mawera. <laughs> Welcome, Anne. Very lovely introduction. Thank you. Yeah, 36 years ago, I won this seat. It's just amazing. How has your bubble life been? (laughs) Uh, Do you mean in the lockdown? Yeah. Or just, yeah. Oh, well, actually, it didn't make a lot of difference to me. I live way out um, at Port Ohopi. And it was very pleasant. Got to know a lot of neighbours that I didn't know. Lots of, yeah, it, it was quite a nice time, actually. And it felt nice to be in a team of five million all, all doing something together spectacularly well. That team of five million was such a strong message, wasn't it? Yeah, it made us all feel real part of the, the whole effort, didn't it? Yeah. So what did you get up to during online <laughs> <laughs> What did you get up to during lockdown? Well, I did quite a lot of online shopping. Fortunately, wine was an essential um, beverage. <laughs> so we did a bit of that and um, we did a lot of walk- walking. Biking was very popular in my area and they shut the road down to the golf club and the fishing jetty. So people, dogs, bikes, we had a wonderful time, yeah. It was pretty awful for people. Um, Some of our family members were a bit hard hit, 
I've got a son-in-law who was a physiotherapist. He got shut down in Auckland, so I was pretty worried about him. Um, but we supported them financially. But, yeah, they're fine. They're all good. Yeah. And we managed to dodge, sort of, having an election during a COVID lockdown. It, it must have been yes, interesting thinking about how that might play out. Well, it certainly interfered with the campaign. Last campaign, 2017, we knocked on um, 18,000 doors in this electorate, um, and we did nothing like that uh, this time. So luckily we had a, a very strong base to jump off. Um, but lots of phone calls, just asking people how they were was rather nice, rather than just asking them who they're going to vote for. Um, yeah, that was lovely. That was a nice nice thing um and since then of course we've been lucky we didn't have much of an effect on the second lockdown didn't affect us much the labor party is famous for its election machine did it did yeah. it take a rethink did it take a how are we going to do it this time yes it did um for example we used to have scrutineers in, in all the booths for advanced voting um, and the clerk would yell out the page and line number of the person who voted and we'd have to write it down and then collect all the bits of paper and then enter it into the database. Um, this time was much easier, funnily enough, because they didn't do any calling out uh, and they wrote all the page and line numbers down for us and all we had to do was run in and take a photograph and um, if the photograph was clear enough, we it just went straight into the database. But we did do a lot of processing. Um, we had a good team here, and that meant that we could help some of the other electorates that were struggling a little bit with the huge numbers of um, early voting. Early voting was massive. So we helped Whanganui a lot and Kaipara a lot, and that was nice to be able to do that. Did it make it harder, or perhaps it made it easier to engage with people I mean, it's always a challenge getting people along to election forums and so on. But in this case, people had like almost given up on that sort of face-to-face -face thing and were looking to social media for how to connect with things. How did that work? Uh, yeah, I think street corner meetings were exactly the same. Um, we did a lot of... Uh, driving because this electorate is huge so we really only concentrated on the eastern bay but we drove to Matata, we drove to makatu we drove to pongoro we drove to murupara um and people were very happy to see us uh there wasn't not a lot of hard questions just love, love you know great to see you how can we help? Um, and Kiri did amazingly well on the panels with the other um, with the other candidates. So that was really good. Our team was really buoyed by that. Um, she's had three years in Parliament now, and it's, her experience surely showed. She knows the electorate so well. She knew her policy so well, and she, it was just a delight to be part of her team. Yeah. Was she we, a list? We ran a pretty energetic, energetic, yeah, she was a list before. We had stalls um, all the time the advanced voting was on. We had stalls both in Kopiopio, Kawaro, and in Fakatane. 
and they were staffed by our volunteers all the time and they were really busy. Um, looking at the uh, national candidate, she had very few soldiers on the ground. It looked to me like quite a lazy campaign. Um, so yeah, the high energy of our campaign really came through to people. Is it, was, it, was the size of the swing a surprise to you? I think a little bit. I was pretty sure I was taking bits of chocolate fish all over the show that um, Kitty would actually win. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. Nobody's actually paid me yet. Oh, I must chase them out. Um, <laughs> and my husband is the most cautious, uh, pessimistic sort of. Oh God, you know she's only winning by a thousand, and there's a thousand and one votes to count. She might still lose. You know. <laughs> So <laughs> he was very intense and I was bubbling quite early on, really. So, yeah, and I won the seat without Gisborne. So I knew that it could be done. So Gisborne, of course, is where most of the votes are and where most of the Labour Party votes are. And we knew that if Gisborne came out for us, um, she was going to steam in and she did. She turned, the, she turned the majority around from minus 500 to plus 500. I mean, minus 5,000 to plus 5,000. <laughs> yeah, massive. Yeah, really good. And are you already thinking about the next election? Uh, yes, for those, for those people that have just won electorates, <laughs> those people that have just won electorates that haven't been that colour for a while, there's very much a notion of you've got three years to really embed. Yes, and we've got more resources. Being a list MP, um, you run on a shoestring. Um, oh, Kerry had what? I don't know. It wasn't even two full, full-time staff members uh, between Fakatani, Gisborne and Parliament. So it was really tough for her. Um, fortunately, volunteers did step up, but it's going to be so much easier now that she's an electorate MP. It comes with um, a lot more support um, from Parliament. Um, and also she'll get lots of invitations automatically as the electorate MP, which she might have got last time. She's very well known. Uh, and quite often a good electorate MP can resist a swing. You know, um, if they if they put the work in and help people and people are happy, um, they can resist a bit of a swing back the other way. Because it would be a very big surprise if there wasn't a swing next time. Because of the the strength uh, of it yeah. this time, it would be it would be remarkable if it stayed at that level. It would. It, would. it definitely would. Um, but two thousand and seventeen. Uh, no, nineteen eighty seven. We did it. <laughs> We actually picked up an extra seat the next time. <laughs> There's always hope. Always hope. <laughs> so all of those, yeah. all of those new MPs starting now. Did you come into Parliament in the David Longy win? Yes, 1984. So, Very similar to that. Yeah. Big cri big crisis. Um, I think the foreign exchanges were just about to be closed on us. Uh, we were just about to default on our overseas debt. 
Um, so we went and we didn't even really celebrate becoming government. We were, as Jacinda said, we cracked into it straight away and it was pretty awful, some of the stuff we had to do, yeah. So not that dissimilar, but this time I think we've been elected for ourselves. In 1984, I think we were elected to get rid of him. And it went really well for a couple of years, and then the wheels fell off. What do we do to stop yes. that happening this time? Uh, I think we've got Grant Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> He's a Dunedin boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got absolutely no problem. We've got a strong economic policy. In 1984, we didn't have one. It hadn't even gone through the policy council. We had a snap election and we were basically hijacked by, um, well, Roger Douglas was hijacked by Treasury and we ran a pretty austere sort of campaign during that time to, to get, we had to do something to get New Zealand back on track, but oh gosh, we didn't look at the social side of it. We had no idea um, some of the, the effects of some of our policies until it hit. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Leonard Cohen. Hallelujah. Why this one? Oh, I don't know. I just, I just love Leonard Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Um, he always make, I'm a terrible, terrible singer. Um, and people ask me, please, just to mouth the words. Um, but I always bellow this one out. Can't help myself. I won't today, Sam. Promise I won't. <laughs> now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall.
I don't know if you would describe yourself as being passionate about politics, but but I will. <laughs> but what I want to know is why. Uh, well, I think it probably started when I was a student and I got kicked off my teacher's student shop because I got married. Um, and that sort of woke me up a little to the fact that there were quite bad injustices in the world um, and it was illogical that I should be kicked off. Um, I was much less likely to get pregnant than if I wasn't married. I tried to um, <laughs> tried to convince them but they kicked me off anyway. So th I think that was the first stirring of feminism for me, that women weren't treated the same as a bloke. A bloke could get married, didn't matter, he could carry on. Um, and then I joined the Labour Party when I was finishing off my education degree and I studied uh, New Zealand history of education and suddenly became blindingly obvious to me that Labour was progressive with its education policies, always strove to, to get a better deal for the kids, better deal for the teachers, better... Um, training and, and resources and everything. So that's when I joined the party, mainly because I was a teacher and that was my passion. And then um, I started a little group in Fakatani called the Nuclear Free Fakatani Movement. I can't remember the exact name. 
And we took a petition to the local council to get Whakatane to be made nuclear free because at that time there were lots of local bodies popping up um, making themselves nuclear free and we put a, a case to the council and it sounded like it was going really well. We had an excellent spokesperson, um, Dr. Carl Jacobson, local doctor was our spokesperson and the, the nods and everything around the council table were looking very encouraging until one councillor said, that the Russians would be up the Fakatani River the next day after we declared free. And so the whole thing um, uh, got defeated. And I thought, well, buggy you. If you're not going to do it locally, I'll go down to um, Wellington and I'll <laughs> become an MP and we will become nuclear free. So nuclear free was a big passion in 84. And that was fantastic to see that go through. Um, and all sorts of dire things were threatened you know our trade would collapse and we'd be invaded and all sorts of stuff and of course we came out stronger as a country because we were we took an independent stance it was wonderful and the yeah, whole and a lot of education reforms the whole world celebrated with that lean in closer i can smell the uranium on your breath moment <laughs> yes <laughs> he did have a knack of really <laughs> He was wonderful. He really, we he, we told him to practice all his jokes on caucus um, because they were so bad. <laughs> and he did, he did by and large keep his jokes in house, but he was hilarious. He really was very funny and very good to work with. Um, if we had a pet project, like I wanted to get rid of corporal punishment in schools. It was not the flavour of the country at that time to um, talk about having loose discipline with, ch with children, but I was quite passionate about it. Um, and he let me run with it. He let me go. Um, and he, he, he would always back you up if you had a good idea and even if it didn't come off quite well. So I was very proud of the, the moment that we got rid of big teachers bashing little kids in school. Yeah, it was good. Jacinda has described climate change as her nuclear moment, nuclear-free moment, but I think she's got a bigger opportunity to to get us all excited about well-being and the transformation potential of that. Yes, indeed, and I think I think climate change must come into that um, because a lot of young people. Um, their mental well-being is affected by looking into their future. I mean, we say, oh, we've only got you know, 20 years max to live. It doesn't matter if my house gets washed away, really. But for young people, I think climate change is the dread that we used to have about nuclear war. Um, the effects of climate change will be horrific if we don't, don't pull it back. So, yeah, pretty similar, really, Sam, I think. And Michael said that with his generation, he lived in London, um, with all the bombing and the war, their generation was terrified of another bombing. You know, they looked around their houses and people were bombed next door and everything. So nuclear, yeah, nuclear threat was very bad for your well-being. And I think climate change, the threat of climate change is very bad for our well-being. There's certainly, the younger people are certainly organised in terms of things like the climate strikes and the, the the climate strikes, particularly the ones last year, the one of the um, the massacre in Christchurch, 
there, there were huge marches that day, and then as those were dispersing, as as when that was that that happened, I think those the, the kids would have been in a far worse state if they hadn't had that that moment of excitement to to cling to. I think it's it was it was a really important thing for them to have that that hope. Yeah, and I think they felt part of a worldwide movement they felt supported there those climate strikes we saw some in canada and some in the states when we were away earlier that year so they were linked um they were linked with other young people all around the world with a common cause which was fantastic what do you think we need to do to help the government actually be transformational is, is there anything that we can do to, to make that happen well, I think that if we just support them doing what they said they would do during the election campaign, there's going to be enormous pressure on them, both from the left and from the right, to do more one way or the other. Um, and I think that if we can just if we can just do what we said we were going to do, if we can go into the 2023 election and say you can trust us to do what we set out to do. <clears throat> we didn't go rushing off and introduce new taxes because we said we wouldn't. And we didn't go off um, opening the borders um, for, for the sake of the economy because we said we wouldn't. Uh, I think we might be in with a, a chance for another nine year uh, run at government. Do you think that they are aware of the ploy that some of the right are playing at the moment, the you can't do anything too transformational because we wrote, voted for you. It, it, it seems a really, it seems a really clever move on their behalf to sort of like to to try and drag the what what should be a progressive government into the being more conservative. Um, well, I don't think that if you've got the centre to vote for you. Um, you should disrespect that. I think if you, whoever has the centre is going to be the government. And even if we don't do, um, make massive progress in equality and um, wealth redistribution, um, we're still going to do a hell of a lot better uh, than the other side would do. I think... Um, there was a big thing just before the election on rheumatic fever. And people had to be reminded, it didn't matter how much money you put into uh, preventing rheumatic, rheumatic fever. If you're going to send the kids home to damp, cold houses, you may as well forget it. You know, it's just a wasted effort. So look at the whole picture. Get your houses nice and dry and warm um, before, you know, once... I, I don't know. It's getting. It's like the old education boards. They used to paint your roof and then, <laughs> and, and then replace it. <laughs> yeah, do do things in a logical order is what I'm I'm saying. Uh, I think the um, I think the health reforms will be challenging for whoever the, the um, minister is, but I think they have to be done. I think it's very. Um, unequal at the moment uh, depending on where you live on what medical um, assistance you can get and the pressure 
um, to do hip replacements and sorry, Mawera, I know you've got to have your knees done, love. <laughs> but um, at the expense of primary health, that's what we've been suffering at the moment. So if we can get in early, um, I think if we can do that dental policy that we talked about, if you can get people um, feeling that they can go and have their teeth fixed, um, their whole health regime is going to be so much better. Um, so, yeah, trying to get the primary health as a focus and trying to get resources more evenly, spread more easily, accessible um, somehow. Uh, and also, I think the Ministry of Health has never had an operational arm, and we've seen that very clearly in COVID. They've been a policy unit, and they really need, they needed to sort, they didn't even know how many um, machines we had, did we? Through the district health boards, there was just no coordination there. So we need to get an operational wing of that ministry going a lot more strongly. Is that um, things that need to be done to to continue to just to fix the, the incremental things, is that going to get in the way of being able to, to do the, the, the longer-sighted things, the, the transformational things? Well, I think those little, little steps are, are very, very important. Mental health here now, you can go to your GP if you're depressed and anxious um, and get fr six free appointments for counselling. And it doesn't sound transformational, but for a lot of people, that means the difference between being able to function properly in life and have feel that you're supported or not. And I've had friends that um, have been depressed and anxious and just knowing that that support is there. And if you have your six free counselling sessions and then it's realised it's more serious, you need to, you know, get more um, higher grade help, well, that's fine. If not, um, good. You know, you might have might have sorted out something, nipped it right in the bud. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou koutou ahau. Hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstar. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, you're really enjoying the incredible journey that we're all on together in the physical realm, manifested as we are in these miraculous physical bodies. And I really hope that each day you're appreciating more and more who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, and the better. Thank you. So I've had the most wonderful day. I had the amazing Waiwera South School come and visit me. And it was so fantastic. And more and more working with different groups, I'm able to see how conservation practice in beautiful Aotearoa, New Zealand, has been informed by a long legacy of working with the land here. First by Māori and then by European settlers. And of course, the practices of early agriculture, farming, all of those understandings of the land can now really help inform what we're doing now. And I'm really, really enjoying growing and growing my understanding of those connections. So it was wonderful hearing from all the beautiful whānau from Waiwera South today. In fact, the school that our conservation manager, Elton Smith, went to, which is a bit spooky and amazing, they were very proud of him, which was very nice. And then I had the great honour and privilege of rescuing beautiful Mahuika and fixing the hen house with my amazing godmother, other mother, Virginia Marriott. She came and saved the day and we propped up the 
rather lopsided nesting box and we made a new floor for it and we filled it up with lovely hay so now Mahawika is much more comfortable and I spoke with beautiful goddess Stephanie Kalmakov who assured me that actually the eggs may well survive and it's okay for them to get cold at this stage and they may well return to full health and vigor which is my dream and I have the exciting opportunity to candle them in about 10 days so I'll keep you posted with all these things and if they don't hatch she can get me more which is very wonderful and very kind so all in all I'm feeling that everything has gone very well at Hey Hey HQ. I also went and bought a new hen house and all the tools necessary to assemble it and this is going to happen in the fullness of time which is very very exciting but having started the day quite an alarming series of events I'm now feeling much more reassured and happy. I also had the wonderful opportunity and I'm so grateful to appear in the Opahor School production 2020 Hindsight which was a very powerful school play and had some of the children playing descendants in the future in 2040 and some of the children playing themselves right now and it was very powerful every aspect of our ecosystem was acknowledged and honored and spoken for and we see this practice of acknowledging each part of the ecosystem whether it's the ocean the forest the sky this is a very well entrenched practice in indigenous cultures all around the world so it was wonderful to see it coming through of course in this very absolutely creative and incredible school play and i was very honoured to be playing myself on the school play and I got to have a small cameo as part of the Orokunui Eco Sanctuary sequence but after I had my cameo which was wonderful I went and sat in the front row and I just had a big cry basically the whole time because it was so beautiful and one of my lovely neighbours down the road I never realised she's absolutely fantastic in all these ways and I've known her probably since she was about three and she's now about and she just has the most incredible singing voice and I never knew that see so I really felt that I'd seen all these new sides to all these children that I get to work with a lot so I felt very honored so I really hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening around you you're able to really feel that sense of community and that sense of connection to all of the human animals around you but of course that greater web of life and I really hope whatever stories are being shared with you and whatever learnings are coming your way that they're really benefiting you positively and you're able to feel more and more the love and support of that infinite web of which we're all a part and I'll look forward to talking tomorrow. Thank you so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Anne Collins. We've seen lots of societal changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? I hope that we will be, we will continue to be kind and continue to be tolerant. Um, I think we had a big fright with some of those uh, minor parties that came out with some fairly hateful policies um, that were very not inclusive. Um, and I think people would have felt quite threatened by some of the messages that were coming out there, the real right-wing evangelical messages. Um, and fortunately, they did very, very badly in the polls. So I think that shows that New Zealand is a kinder, uh, society than we were. Also, the fact that um, that we were 
bribed with the lure of tax cuts. Um, and I think most of us were a little bit scared when National came out with that policy because they thought, oh my gosh, you know, someone's struggling and they can see themselves getting a few extra dollars in their pockets, they might just go for it. And they didn't. You know, they just said it's not the right time. Not the right time to be giving wealthy people a whole heap more money like uh, National did last time. Um, let's just keep, keep our money for what's important and for the whole of society. Don't go and blow your $14 billion um, in case we get another COVID, COVID outbreak. And looking around the world, I mean, it's not going away. It's getting, <laughs> getting worse every day. So um, I, think, I think New Zealanders, are, they're pragmatic and they're caring. And I think they can see a great big fat bribe when, they, <laughs> when they're introduced to it. So that was very, I was very, very proud of them turning down their tax cut. It's certainly been interesting seeing that a be kind message has resonated so well, but also that it appears at least to be used as the basis for for decision making, that that, that is a principle or a value perhaps that has been able to to be used to actually make real decisions. And I think it's really shown that the the move to well-being has got legs. Absolutely, absolutely. We didn't used to talk about mental health very much publicly, and now people are a lot more relaxed about accepting that most of us, um, at some stage in our life, will have times, uh, serious or not, um, where we will need mental health support. And it's only another part of our body that's needing attention. Um, and I just think the acceptance that we can put huge amounts of money into mental health and people have welcomed it and accepted it is, is fantastic. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever, ever go backwards on that one. But then the question arises with the Be Kind message is, why did we need that? What were we doing before? Well, I think what, what had happened um, with the, the previous government was that in order to run a very flimsy, slim uh, surplus, which seemed to be a goal in itself, um, they froze all sorts of budgets, uh, women's refuge, community law, budget services, um, all those um, be kind people <laughs> who were not in it for themselves at all. No one was in those, in those area, service areas. They were only there because they wanted to be kind and they wanted um, New Zealanders to, to feel better and be able to function better. In a functioning society, you'll actually pay off your debt. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to get all austere. Um, I, I was very interested to see the other day um, that uh, after the global financial crisis, the debt um, repayment um, was 4.7% of GDP. That's how much it cost just to service that debt. But this debt that Grant has now um, borrowed for us to get through COVID is only costing him 0.07% 
of GDP because he's been able to borrow money for practically nothing. You know, it's practically free money. And if the worst came to the very, very worst, um, <laughs> I'll get killed for saying this, the Reserve Bank could wipe it off. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, it's not a worry. It's not, a, it's not something that's going to depress me that we've got debt out there. It's, it's fine. So it's what like less family. I mean, I've just lent my daughter some money. You know, <laughs> at times you need to, and then. What lessons do you think we can take from how we've responded for the the sorts of intergenerational questions or things like climate change? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I don't think that um, passing on a huge debt is a big deal. I think that's a right wing thing. They've been trying to frighten the young people that they're going to be paying lots more taxes. I think that's rubbish. We never actually did um, after global economic crisis. Um, the young people, I think, need to see that we're there for them, that we're not just thinking of ourselves. Um, we're not just wanting, I don't know, I thought the capital gains tax um, debate was very, very sad. That that showed that that there's a huge, there are a huge number of people that aren't kind. They just want to hang on to their wealth and their second and third houses and make capital gains. That was pretty. That was pretty depressing. And I, I'm not sure that that would happen if we put capital gains tax up now. I think people would be much kinder and say, "Oh, okay, well, maybe a little bit of tax when I sell my second or third house or whatever is not going to kill me, but it's going to help the next generation." I think we missed that opportunity, unfortunately. Um, and you, you only got to really worry that New Zealand First has done us a lot of long-term damage um, in, in equity there, sadly. I think if it had just been the Greens and Labour, we would have done something. I remember um, being a teenager um, at Darfield High School and going into Christchurch one day and walking down one of the main streets and seeing these huge numbers on billboards outside the bank, like 28% and, and trying to get my head around what that meant and then somebody explaining interest and and that. And, and gosh, there's so many yeah. um, people who remember those days, eh, where we were <laughs> yes. And I think that, yeah. that that has been, there, there has been a lot of playing on that fear, like, oh, yes. what happened we're having all this debt and what happens if we go back to, you know, 28% and, and it's it's just kind of sad that people will stoop to that kind of stuff. The world has changed. We've all moved on. You're more likely to have a negative interest yeah. rate, aren't we? Fingers <laughs> and toes crossed. That's scary for us old people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'll cope. Yeah. And and also, Grant is committed to the super fund, which means that young people coming up, or even you know, middle-aged people coming up, know that there's going to be a pension for them. There's going to be a backstop that will stop them spiralling into ghastly poverty when they're old. There's always going to be that mat. Um, we could have had a much much bigger fund there. Uh, for us, but National didn't put any money in for nine years, which is really sad, especially when interest rates after the global financial crash, um, they could have been picking up incredibly cheap, cheap shares 
um, and making a mint out of it on our behalf. But, um, you know, God, the myth, the myth that they're better business managers, financial managers than Labour is just so wrong. <laughs> so, so wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I have some I questions. Think. I have some questions to end the show with. Yes, I do. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, well, um, achieving an electorate MP for East Coast. It's got to be the standout, absolutely the standout. Um, personally, um, having Michael respond so well to his chemotherapy and still have him here well <laughs> and functioning and he's just finished his book <laughs> he has well done so, <laughs> yeah he's um he's severely editing it now but yeah so that's that's fantastic for me the last few months i've just been living like every day's a bonus having michael still with me we were all prepared we'd, we'd gone through all the i'd gone through the total freak out meltdown i'm a widow sort of stuff um, we made all our arrangements and plans and what he wanted and what I was going to do and where I was going to live and whether I'd be able to cope financially all that stuff we went through thinking that I was going to lose them quite a while ago but um, so that is magnificent for me it's just it's fantastic and a new grandchild is due on the 12th of December so that is amazing yeah that's exciting so we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is your superpower? <laughs> uh, uh, I think my strength is um, supporting my team of workers. If I'm in charge of a project um, within the lab party or wherever I think I'm a really supportive leader and I give them lots of feedback and I'm also you know very well I am genuinely grateful for anything that people do and I think that's I think that's probably my strength um, and I would like to stay on as the chair of the LEC because that means that I'm working with all the different branches making sure that they're they're well and happy and functioning as as they should be, and we've got some amazing people in the Labour Party, all so diverse and so lovely. And I do really good hugs, Sam. <laughs> good hugs, good hugs. Can fly, laser eyes, all sorted. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Absolutely. Oh, I wrote some very good letters to the paper this time, didn't I, my um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was lucky. All my, all my letters to the paper this time, and there were quite a few, were all answering somebody else, um, somebody else's nasty stuff or stupid stuff. Um, I don't think I, I think I might have only done one letter that was cold and that was congratulating the government and the farmers and everything on their microplasma bovis effort. Um, but everything else I managed to 
um, find something in a letter that I could answer and it made it very hard for the newspaper to turn it down because I was <laughs> responding. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. That was a, I was a debater, of course, so that, that was a debating by letter. So what motivates you? Oh, just my, I suppose looking at the next generation and hoping, you always hope that they'll have at least as good a life as you've had. And I think that's been in danger uh, lately. Um, really worried about some young people not being able to ever get a house and um, a job that they love and an education that they want and can afford. And and that has really been very uh, reassuring in the last three years to see all those areas advanced. More first-time owners than, I don't know, for decades, which is, which is wonderful. I think a home... I was just watching Mawera in her new home. She's just glowing. It's just so exciting. She is just absolutely blossoming. And it makes, you know, if you're happy in your home, it makes you much more likely to be able to help other people. And, yeah, so that's good. So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? I'm just wondering whether I'll be able to keep doing a kilometre of swimming every day. <laughs> Uh, fitness is really important to me. Yeah, fitness. I've got my e-bike, and most days I, I do about half an hour on my e-bike, which is really good. And, yeah, uh, I'm going to take up line dancing because for my 70th birthday, which is next year, I want to have a line dancing birthday party. So far, I've got two guests that are willing to come. <laughs> <laughs> Free, I'll be there. I actually can line dance. I know one dance that I learned at school and I've never forgotten it. Well, I'm going down to Kopiopio at 11 o'clock on Tuesdays from now on. And um, Mawera, you've increased my party by 50%. Fantastic. I'm proud. <laughs> if I teach Jack, there you go. One more. There you go. Yeah, Jack's invited. Anyone's invited that will do line dancing, they can come to my party. <laughs> And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, gosh. I'll be the last person to offer advice, wouldn't I? I don't know. I suppose just be kind. Yeah. Love Jacinda. <laughs> Support policies that might hurt you a bit, but benefit the majority. Thank you very much for that. Moira. You know, um, I, I have to say that all the years I've known Anne, which is quite a few years now, um, one of the things that's blown me away is it, and it, the, the support that she gives to people who are willing to put their hand up and try to make a difference is not just for our, uh, our central government MPs, it's for our health board, it's for our community board, it's for re local council, regional council, it's Anyone who is willing to put their hand up, as long as their their motivation aligns with her values, she will be there and holding them and supporting them and advising them all the way through. And that is an extraordinary thing that you do, Anne. Thank you for doing it. <laughs> oh, thank you. It is I don't pretty know, I don't know if My name to, to some people's campaigns really helped. <laughs> <laughs> 
it didn't help Tanya Tapsell. <laughs> oh, evidently she's not even a Tapsell, which is amazing. She's a Bennett. Yep, I heard someone, that too. Someone told me that. <laughs> yeah. Thank- she did help a lot and the fact that she stopped any racism and misogyny going on uh, against Curry. So thank you, Tanya, for that. That was that was helpful. It was. Thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome. We're going out to Bette Midler and the Rose. Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves your soul. Some say love, it is a hunger, an endless aching need. I say love, it is a flower, and you, it's only
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversation with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and also on the Eastern Bay of Plenty, Anne Collins. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.